Hey, it's the Troy Francis podcast. Welcome back to the show. It's Monday, it's August. I'm sitting in my apartment recording this wonderful audio love letter to you guys. So I hope you enjoy it. Now, today I'm going to be talking about why the red pill is not compatible with politics. Uh, and it's going to be a bit of a rant because of some stuff that's been going on on social media over the last day or so. But before we get into that, just update you on uh, any news, anything going on from my side of the fence. So again, not much really, because I'm working on my new fiction project, which is underway at the moment. And I've also been doing some administrative stuff related to my existing books, my existing back catalogue, if you want. But the good news is that you can purchase all 10 of my books about game, dating, seduction, the wonderful world of love for the ridiculously low price of just $97. Now, that's for all 10 books. And really, to be honest, the whole package is worth something in the region of 250 if I sold it for you know the, the, the biggest market price that I could get. But because I'm being very kind... You can get it for $97 on Gumroad. Now, there is a caveat to that, which is if you are on my email list as an email subscriber, or if you join my email list as an email subscriber, you can get 65% off that bundle. So that means that you get the whole lot, the whole shaboodle of 10 books for just $35. So you will have all of the most cutting edge, the best game intel in the universe downloaded directly from your brain to mine for just $35. And all you've got to do is sign up for my free daily email. Now, you know, cards on the table. You're going to love the email because it's a, it's a free article from me every day during the week, five days a week, talking about game, dating, seduction, all of those good, cool things. But if you don't like it, you can just unsubscribe. So there's not a major, major commitment required here. But I think you're going to get a lot of value out of it anyway. Certainly a few thousand guys already do and you will be joining those men so i will leave the link below in the description to this episode do sign up for my daily email and in doing that you'll be given a link where you can purchase all 10 of my books for just 35 dollars otherwise if you don't want to sign up for the email then you can get them for uh, 97 dollars for that digital bundle so i'll leave the links below do look into that. I think you're going to love the books. So make sure you jump on that particular offer as quickly as you can, because goodness knows how long it will last for. Beyond that, uh, no major news. I'm in London at the moment. I am likely to be in London for uh, the foreseeable future, although things may change. We, we, we are watching geopolitical uh, changes and events as we speak, and... You never know. You never know how things are going to go down. But at the moment, I'm in London. Uh, I'm enjoying it here. Uh, got a lot of friends here. Working on some uh, joint projects with uh, other guys here as well. So there's going to be some good stuff for you to enjoy coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. So do look out for that. Uh, okay. So look, let's crack into the topic because, and this has come about really because of Twitter, which is the the bane of my life, and it's also uh, the source of uh, quite a lot of my income as well. So I'm kind of chained to it uh, like a 
a crazed dog at the moment. And uh, yeah, but you know, there's some great people on Twitter. There's some great content on there. And there's also a lot of rubbish as well. And there's a lot of trolling and people getting into fights and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm guilty of that myself, partly because it, it's entertaining for me. It's kind of entertaining for the audience. It adds a bit of drama to things. I like to think of the beefs on Twitter as being a bit like... Um, it's almost like the whole thing with the hip-hop community in the 90s, you know? I mean, how serious are they? Well, yeah, they're serious in a way because there are people on Twitter, particularly these with the sort of tr traditional conservative views and very sort of hectoring, moralistic takes on things that I just really don't agree with at all. You know, I don't like where those guys are coming from. I don't think that they are offering value to, to men. Um, I think that they are, in some cases, espousing views less because they believe them wholly, but more just to make a buck. And, um, you know, I think all of that kind of stuff needs to be called out. And I think certain changes that have been made to, in inverted commas, the manosphere need to be called out as well because they are not leading us in a good direction but having said all of that you know do I really do I really care what these guys are doing no not really you know I mean it's theater it's a little bit of um you know it's a bit of a soap opera people like to buy into that it's kind of fun uh it keeps everybody reading our content and that's all good but that's not to say that there aren't serious philosophical disagreements at the root of it as well so what I wanted to talk about today, and as I say, this is a bit of a rant. I don't know how long this one will last for because I haven't really planned it out in great detail, but I just wanted to get on the mic and talk about it because I think it's important. And that is this idea of the red pill and politics. Now, I, I suppose that in order to kick this off, we need a couple of definitions. So the definition that I'm going to give of the red pill is in itself particularly weighted to a certain point of view, which is the point of view that I'm coming from. Now, immediately, some people will disagree with my definition of red pill, and that is their prerogative, but, you know, it's my show, so this is what we're going to be going with. So, when I talk about the red pill, I mean the examination of intergender sexual dynamics. So, the way that men and women... And I suppose, you know, men and men and women and women, but we're so largely concerned with men and women here. Um, the way that they interrelate together in a dating context and in a social context that is a precursor to dating. So basically, how do men and women get it on? And of course, as you will know, if you followed this space for any length of time, this conversation has been greatly imbued with findings, observations, studies, data, etc. from evolutionary psychology. So um, a lot of the way that we talk about the sexual marketplace today is, um, is, is, is sort of affected by this understanding of evolution, of how human beings behaved before we reached this modern age, you know, how people behaved back in the days before there was technology, back in the days before there was electricity, when we didn't live in big cities, pre the Industrial Revolution, in some cases pre the Agricultural Revolution. And imbued with that knowledge or, or our understanding of, of those times, we examine the present. And what we find often is that 
although it may seem like we live in this very shiny modern universe and we've all got iPhones and we all go on to Snapchat and uh, Instagram and stuff all the time and it all feels very modern, actually the programming that we are using is by and large fairly primitive. Uh, so we are, our behavior rather is conditioned by the old scripts that we are running on and it's an understanding of that basic paradigm that has propelled this whole study of game if you like of, of, of rather of, of, of red pill dynamics and has thrown some light on the way that it goes down between men and women so you know for example um, I mean, a classic way of looking at this is in terms of male-female jealousy or jealousy of men regarding women. And there has long been an idea in the culture that women are or can be, you know, virtuous and sort of whiter than white, if you like, and above criticism. And what red pill-type uh, investigation showed was that actually that's, that's not always the case. And then there was some, there's been speculation as to why it might be that way. Why might it be that women, you know, will cheat or they will uh, exercise hypergamy, as it's called, so they'll look to trade up to a better or more alpha partner, if you like. Uh, for a start, we classically we're culturally conditioned to think that those that doesn't happen. So when we find out that sometimes it does happen, we are shocked or we are we can be disappointed or saddened or, or outraged or whatever. And the red pill, in inverted commas, is there to say, well, you know, OK, this stuff happens. And actually, this is the reason why, because uh, women in this situation are acting on an old script, an ancient script that is, is just part of human hardware. You know, it's just, it's just there. It's it's embedded within us. Um, you know, women look for provisioning, they look for, uh, you know, for care and for sustenance for their potential offspring, but also for somebody with the means to protect them and to look after them. So that could mean money, that could mean, you know, muscle, um, uh, political influence and so on. So, you know, they're drawn to power. And of course, men uh, on the other side of the scale have this... Um, inherent need to spread their seed widely certainly when they're younger they look for a variety of different partners and um, yeah so you have these different opposing in some cases uh, rationales or, or sexual strategies if you like and sometimes the problems come about because they come into opposition so you know the woman's looking for a long-term uh, monogamous relationship and the guy is not yet because he is still in that period of sowing his uh, wild oats, if you like, and so he cheats, and then the woman finds out and gets very upset. And you know why is that? Well, it's because fundamentally, their uh, sexual strategies at that point were divergent. They were going, they were both acting out on their scripts, and they were going in different directions. So, and and then another example might be, say, the woman cheats, uh, you know, with the with the poor boy. Why would she do that? She's with this guy, he's rich, he's wealthy, he's a pillar of the community. Why would she throw it all away to risk an affair with the pool boy? Well, it's probably because she is looking out for his genetics. You know, this the pool boy might have superior genetics and she would like to subconsciously pass those on to potential offspring and so she cheats with the, with the pool boy. Um, and so there's an explanation 
for why she has behaved in that way. Now, that was a very quick, uh, entirely um, uh, not long enough survey, really, of, of what we're talking about here with red pill dynamics. But I hope that gives you a sort of an idea, a flavour, if you like, of what it's all about. It's really this thing about looking at the, the sexual dating relationship marketplace with a more... I put it. I don't I want to say scientific, but people are going to rip me for that. Um, with a more analytical eye, so we're saying, okay, this is this is the kind of thing that happens as far as our experience and the experience of you know anecdotal experience of many thousands of men, some data-driven experience is concerned. These are the kinds of things that happen. Why might people behave in this way? Why might men and women behave in this way? Well, here are some um, pretty robust theories as to why they might behave in this way and here are some you know some uh, corroborating studies or or, or or evidence from from science and there you go bosh uh, that this together will give you a sense of not not necessarily instruction manual for what to do and this is why the red pill is often referred to as a praxology because it's not a toolkit it is a, a, a descriptor it's a um, a collection of ideas really about the way in which people behave. And you can really do with that what you will. You can take all of that stuff on board and say, okay, fine, but I want kids, I want to have a family, I want to settle down, so therefore I'm going to get married, but I'm going to bear this stuff in mind and thank you very much. Or alternatively, you might say, well, okay, I've heard all this stuff and so therefore, you know, on the basis of it, I've decided that I just want to remain free, young, free and single forever and I'm going to just, you know, go off and do what the hell I like, and uh, thank you very much. Or you might take a sort of, probably what most people do, take a more midway course, which is to say, okay, all of this stuff makes sense. Some of it I buy, some of it is maybe a bit far-fetched, but I see where you're coming from. I'm going to exercise caution when I get into relationships, and I am going to... Um, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be mindful of this stuff, and I'm gonna try to avoid some of the mistakes that other people have made. So that, for me, is what the red pill is all about. Now, the t even the term red pill has become politicized. It's become maligned. It's become associated with lots of very bad things that have happened in the culture in recent years. Um, and I would say that that is largely, although not solely, to do with the way in which the term has become politicised. So what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, I've been in this space for a number of years now, so actually since 2004, but that was before there were even, you know, people really referred to the red pill, in inverted commas, um, when it was more just about dating and, and lifestyle and relationships and things. And then this more analytical... Uh, group of writers and commentators, if you like, it started to emerge, including Rollo Tomasi of the Rational Mail, but not limited to, to him. There were other people as well, Hartiste, Pook, etc., etc. And these guys were examining these dynamics and writing in a really um, involved and um, insightful way about about what they saw going on in the sexual marketplace. And as that was happening it started to sort of get interconnected with political uh, dialogue, with political <clears throat> commentary of a very specific sort. And 
the sort of politics that really seemed to get talked about a lot was was right-wing politics, alt-right politics, far-right politics, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I personally have a theory about why this might have happened. Well, okay, let me back up. First of all, I'll, I'll say why I think why I think it happened on the surface, and then I'll, I'll give you my sort of conspiracy theory tinfoil hat about it. So on the surface, this happened because guys were saying, well, okay, hang on a minute. So now that you know the truth, in inverted commas, about sexuality, about the sexual marketplace, now you know that we've been sold a lie as far as female behaviour is concerned. And in parentheses here, by the way, I don't personally accept that we were sold a lie. I think that's a I, I think personally, I don't like to, to to put moralistic labels on any of this. I don't think we was, anybody was sold a lie. I think um, the work of the red pill writers has merely been to reveal what was what was always there, and what what is there is in the end human behaviour, and it's it's natural, if you like. And so, I don't think using the terms good or bad is really helpful in this context, and I don't think we should be demonising anybody, either men or women for the way that they act because within certain constraints of course but I mean generally speaking in the sexual marketplace people act the way they do because we're all animals and we have inbuilt drives and biological imperatives and we need you know we have to go along with those so people were saying all right look um now we know the truth about what's happening in the sexual marketplace what about the truth about what's happening in politics and of course what they tended to be talking about was some pretty grubby right-wing type conspiracy theories. Now, going to a conspiracy theory of my own, I wonder if there was some infiltration of the manosphere, of the men's online space, by right-wing groups during the, uh, during the last few years, during the last decade or so, as regards um, the manosphere. And the reason I think that is because it seems very strange how... Years and years ago, there was no discussion at all of things like race realism, of things like um, anti-Semitic tropes, um, I, don't, I don't know, all this kind of stuff. You know, that, that suddenly you started seeing pouring into the comments of comment sections of forums, of YouTube channels, of people's blogs in the comment sections there, um, and really, I mean. If, these blogs and things had all been set up with the express purpose of discussing dating. You know, how can I meet a, a nice girl and take her on some dates and maybe have sex or get into a relationship or whatever. I mean, this was all fairly... I mean, innocent seems the wrong word, but it was all relatively vanilla stuff in a way. I mean, it was basically a, a, a forum for... A community, rather, for guys who were perhaps too nice or were shy or were a bit socially inept to, um, you know, to, to, to share strategies for how to get better with girls and how to get into relationships, how to handle those relationships when they got into them, as well as various associated things like fitness, style, dress, confidence, um, and then money started to come into it, you know, how to make money, how to have a business, all these kinds of things. Fair enough. But where did all of the dodgy right-wing politics come from? Now, you know, perhaps it was just organic. And I suppose 
when you look at the world now, we see the right wing gaining dominance across Europe. Obviously, you've got everything that's happened in America. You've got places like uh, Russia, Poland, Hungary, where there is a very strong, there are very strong right wing governments. Bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's not by any means limited to the uh, to the to the men's sphere. Uh, but certainly, this is a sphere that has become beset with really the very worst kind of knuckle-dragging, reactionary, uh, and I, you know, in, I, I, I hate to even dignify it with the word, really, but with things like, um, as I said, race realism, um, anti-Semitism, and all of that kind of stuff. And I mean, when you scratch the surface, I mean, you know, I, I try to avoid that this kind of stuff as much as I possibly can in my own reading, but when you scratch the surface of this kind of thing, it, it tends to be, guys are basically saying, look, man, you know the truth about women, well, what about the truth about this? And then they link it to some sort of, uh, you know, bogus or uh, poorly researched or junk science kind of piece of data or evidence. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, I suppose maybe it doesn't really matter whether this was organic or whether it was uh, a result of some sort of targeted kind of, um, you know, almost like cyber campaign if you want um i guess we'll probably never really know and as i say it, in, in a sense it doesn't really matter because either way the results are what the results are but i for one am just getting a bit sick well i've been sick for a long time actually of the way that the two things have been conflated and it's come to a sort of not a head but i mean a, a symbolic moment has been reached with the 21 convention booking stefan molyneux for their next conference. Now, obviously, uh, they had worked with him before. He's uh, been interviewed by George Bruno, I think. I, uh, you know, he's he's been on Twenty One Con videos and stuff. Um, he's doing a speech, I believe, at the next Twenty One convention in Orlando, and it it just seems to me that this is a <clears throat> a symbolic moment for the manosphere, if you like, because you get somebody like you get Anthony Dream Johnson who runs the Twenty One conventions going on on Twitter the whole time about how. He wants to take this thing called the Manosphere in a new direction. And he uh, very publicly fell out with Rollo Tomasi. Um, and so now him and his, uh, his acolytes all bang on about how hypergamy is this uh, terrible concept and how it should all be about patriarchy and building families and all that kind of stuff. Well, okay, fair enough. Whatever, you know, if you want to think that, you can think that. But it was suspected for a long time that the real reason for this split would be because Anthony wanted to pursue a more right-wing political agenda, in, probably in um, anticipation of the 2020 election, so basically jumping on the Trump train again. Okay, well, that again, that's fine. If you want to vote Trump, vote Trump. That's not a problem. However, um, when you're getting someone like Stefan Molyneux on board, who if you read his Twitter, it comes out with some pretty outrageous stuff about race, about um, Jews in the media, about, you know, stuff that's bordering on anti-Semitic, certainly, certainly dog whistle stuff, let's put it like that. I mean, okay, you could probably comb through his tweets and you might say, well, he justifies everything very well. Um, he, <clears throat> uh, he avoids anything outright that's outright racist, he avoids anything that's out, outright white supremacy. But, 
taken in its taken in its um, entirety, you have to look at it, and you you pretty much know what he's driving at. This he's throwing out things, he's throwing out facts and figures and um, uh, ideas that are clearly targeted at a certain demographic. They are clearly targeted, they're clearly intended to create a certain type of response in a certain segment of the the market, in the audience. And um, if the 21 Convention, which is claiming to be this bastion of the Manosphere, is taking that on board or embracing that, then I think that is just further solidifying what is a very dangerous trend. And Ultimately, it's a very unhelpful trend because, I mean, you know, you could... People have written whole studies about why Stefan Molyneux is wrong about a lot of things. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't intend to get into that here. It's not really of great interest to me. Um, you know, it's all out there if you want to have a look at it. But the, the point of the fact is, all of this stuff is irrelevant, really, to guys having a better dating life, improving themselves, improving their social lives, you know, having a good time, having a good life. And that's what I've always been about. And again, this is another example of this bloody collectivism versus individualism, because what all of this stuff comes down to, and I mean, you know, to be clear, I find a lot of the stuff that I've read from uh, Molyneux abhorrent and offensive and all of the dog whistle type stuff and the, the blatant racism, the blatant anti-Semitism that I've read on, you know, in other parts of the Manosphere, I completely uh, disown. I've got, I've got no connection with that stuff at all. I think it's disgusting. I think these people should fuck off. Um, but even putting that aside, it's just not helpful. All of this stuff is a massive distraction from the real purpose that all of us came to this space in the first place, which is to improve ourselves, to improve our relationships, uh, maybe to have better sex lives, and, and latterly, you know, to, to become higher value men, so to create um, businesses for ourselves, to, to make money, to be able to live the lives we want, and to, you know, to, to travel and to do all these cool things. I mean, that to me is the positive side of the manosphere, and that's what we should be building. I, what I don't think we should be doing is going down this rabbit hole of, you know, conspiracy theory laden, xenophobic, racist kind of bullshit, which is not only reprehensible on any sort of, uh, you know, on, 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 any, on any sort of decent level as far as behaviors, social behaviour is concerned, but is also just and is also wrong on many many levels in terms you know in terms of accuracy and so on but it's it fundamentally just pointless fundamentally a waste of time you know this kind of crap you don't need to be spending your time on you know get off the fucking internet stop listening to this bullshit stop going on about surveys about you know uh population growth in the west and all this kind of stuff it's, it's bollocks i mean for one thing you can't affect it anyway as an individual you're not gonna um you're you're not going to reverse uh, population decline in the Western world. That's just not going to happen. However many kids you knock out. So, and secondly, a lot of this stuff is bogus anyway. You know what you need to be doing is looking at your own life. You need to look at your, yourself and think, okay, so what do I want? What do I want from this very very short time that I have on this planet? And you need to go out and achieve that. And you know you're not going to achieve it by getting bogged down into this kind of resentment because that's what it is it's resentment it's 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 i mean it's, it's ironic in a way because people like 
mind you, um, will criticise others for nihilism, and they'll say, oh, nihilism is a very bad and evil thing and everything. But actually, what their work is doing is dragging people into this spiral of negativity and suspicion and hatred and you know animosity, and it's, it's just completely unnecessary, because I would prefer to take a I mean, even the, even the term libertarian is tainted now, of course. But you know, a sort of classical libertarian, or, or, let's just say, let's let's say individualist perspective on all of this is to say, well, actually, sod all of that. I don't really care what these people are doing over here. I'm going to just do my own thing. I'm going to create my own life, and it's going to be bloody great. And you know what the American government are doing, what the British government are doing, all of this stuff. It doesn't really fucking matter because, to be honest, if I don't like it, I can just move. Um, that's more what you want to be aiming at, not getting bogged down into this into this crap. Um, and so I do think it's disappointing that the 21 Convention have uh, chosen to embrace uh, Molyneux because I just don't see it as being a positive way forward for the Manosphere. But, you know, that's up to them. They have put their, their, uh, their flag in the sand, if you like, uh, a line in the sand. And, you know, let's see what, happens with that but for me i would say i you know i have no desire to be part of any manosphere that embraces that kind of dog whistle kind of politics it's of no interest to me i think it's bogus bullshit but also it's just not it's just not going to help me in my life at all and i don't think it's going to help you in your life at all either so look at what brings value don't look at you know what's just going to infuse your your mind and your spirit and your soul with negativity and bad feeling. It's just not going to do you any favours at all. So steer clear. Subscribe to my email list, which is a bastion of possibility every day coming into your uh, inbox. And watch my videos, listen to my podcast. There will be another podcast next Monday. And I will be releasing a video uh, this week, probably hopefully Wednesday, where we'll be getting into the weeds of another topic so do look out for that um as i say do get my renegade dating uh, blueprint bundle which you can get for 35 dollars if you join my email list link below and do subscribe to my youtube channel also speak soon bye bye